Go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. We're going to begin in verse 35. Uh, Another welcome to all our visitors. Uh, I apologize. We're giving a report on the opportunity we had to go back to the Believer's Bible Conference in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Um, You're going to be hearing uh, five versions of it if you come back tonight. Um, So, but we trust that uh, the Spirit of God will Definitely give us something to encourage, uh, hopefully exhort us and uh, provoke us to love and the good works. Um, it was a wonderful time. I uh, highly recommend it uh, for anyone that uh, loves fellowship uh, with the saints, uh, good teaching, and just time in prayer. Uh, there was nothing new that uh, we heard while we were there, but there were many things that we were reminded of uh, that we need to Uh, take this opportunity in the new year to reflect upon the past year and what we want our life for Christ to look like in this coming year. And so we're going to briefly, in the next 20 minutes here, just touch on three different areas. Uh, The first one's going to be love for the lost. Uh, The second is going to be love in the assembly. And the third is going to be love for the Lord. Um, So Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 35 It says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest." Uh, This was one of the key passages that really stuck with me being there and and since. And this idea of the time and day we're living in uh, here in the United States. It's uh, election year. There's much in politics. There's much that would cause you, uh, if you watched enough about it, to dislike people and to start to get frustrated and to start to feel like uh, James and John and say, you know, Father, should we call down fire from heaven upon these people? And then we're reminded that the Lord came and died for each one of them. We're reminded that uh, we're not here for politics. Our citizenship is in heaven. Uh, This is not our home. We're just here for a short period of time. Um, It's something that we all know to be true. But it was something I desperately needed to be reminded of uh, while being there. Uh, Before the the days leading up to it, I never watched the news. Um, And the days leading up to it, I was watching the news. And uh, Kathy walks in one day and she says, why are you watching the news? It just makes you upset. It just makes you angry. You know, this isn't Philippians 4 kind of a thing. So going to the conference made me realize that that was definitely the case, that I definitely needed not to watch Uh, certain things that were on television, but in this passage here, this was spoken on, and we're going to get the MP3s, um, as far as I know, we normally put them on the website, or can we do that? No. Okay. Well, if you want an MP3, sign up for it. When we get them, then we'll we'll go ahead and start making some for you all. But this whole passage here, this idea of, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered. Um, there's other translations that will say it. They were harassed and it, like they were thrown down or flipped on their backs. And what we know about sheep, um, which was talked about at the conference, is sheep are dumb. Um, sheep have no ability to protect themselves, and they depend 
solely upon the shepherd for food, for protection, for guidance. And so as the Lord was looking out upon these people, he realized that these sheep had been harassed and had been flipped over. And they needed someone to come along and flip them back upright and a shepherd that they could follow. And so when we look out in the world today, and there's many things that would make us probably upset, there are many comments you see where people blatantly um, blaspheme the name of God, and it just, you know, boils the blood. It just makes you angry. Um, but we need to remember that they're lost. They have no idea really what they're saying or what they're talking about. They're lost people. They're like sheep that have been thrown down. So it was a reminder to me um, to really pray. Uh, the interesting thing in this passage is we kind of have this attitude that if you have a heart for the lost, it, the Lord says the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Our attitude would be, well, we need to go out into the harvest. We just need to go. But here the message from the Lord is, therefore, pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. The message isn't to go. The message is to pray. And this word here that they use for pray is not the normal word that's used for pray. Um, we see that it is a, uh, a, a begging, a real deep begging, imploring. Um, the picture was given like you latch onto something and you will refuse to let go until there's an answer. We often see this word used when, um, say, a father in the scripture of, of the, the son that has a demon inside of him uh, comes to the Lord and says, you know, I beg you cast this demon out of my son. Um, I think over the past year, how many prayers in my own personal life were like that, where I grabbed the hold of the Lord and I said, Lord, I'm not letting it go until I get an answer, and I'm going to keep praying until I, I hear uh, from you. Um, there are many times during the conference, like I say, you don't hear anything new, but you're reminded, when you look back over the past year and you're just ashamed, I mean, you just, you think, well, what was I doing this whole past year for the Lord? You know, you think of all the, the busyness, maybe, that you're involved in, all the, all the things you attended, all the activities that you did. Um, but we were reminded there that busyness is not the answer. Um, a walk with the Lord is the answer, whatever the Lord would have you to do. And so thinking on this, I, 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 I of course, thought of my own parents. Um, you know, you, you pray for them, but do I pray in this way? I think of my son Noah, you know, if he were to have a demon inside of him, and the Lord Jesus was the only answer, um, what that prayer would be like, as opposed to what my prayer life is like. So that was definitely one thing that really stood out in, in, in the mass chaos that is the world today, in the wars that are going on, people fleeing for their lives. We need to look at this as much opportunity, but it's not we just go and do something, it's we need to pray for these people. Um, we think of the Lord here. He was really taking care of them. A anyone that had a sickness, anyone that had, um, uh, uh, you know, was lame or, or had a demon, I mean, he, 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 he cast it all away. He took care of all these people. He had compassion on these people. It didn't mean that these people turned and were, uh, you know, worshipers of the Lord and followers of Christ, but the Lord had compassion on them. And if we're to be a picture of Christ in the world, then we need to have that same compassion. It uh, doesn't mean that it's, it, it might not turn out great for us. Probably. Probably. But it's what the Lord would have us to do. So that was one thing that definitely needed a, a jolt in my system. 
uh, a love for the lost. Uh, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Uh, may this year be characterized as a year of prayer, uh, more so than any other year. Uh, there's many things that we can be involved in. Uh, there's many things that we can do. But let me tell you, it's hard to pray. It's, it's hard. I mean, you, know, you, you, get, you get everything together. You have your prayer list. You, you, you go into your, your room. You close the door. You get down on your knees, and you say, like, I'm, I'm really, I'm going to pray. And then you, you pray through your whole list, and you look at the clock, and it's been 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and you're already done praying. So it is, it is a work. It is something that we need to get involved in. But I think what's happened is our truth has been distorted. Um, when we look at these people, are we latching onto the Lord and pleading with the Lord to save these people, to send them the gospel, to show them the love of Christ, something they probably have never experienced in their life, uh, an opportunity for us. Uh, so that was one thing I wanted to bring back to encourage you all. Uh, love for the lost, the compassion, the compassion of the Lord is, the, is that the same compassion that we have. So we're going to move on to 1 Corinthians 13. There is some joy in going first in something like this, because um, nobody's talked about anything yet. Uh, everyone else will probably have to adjust or say the same thing, <clears throat> which is fine. Uh, also, taking this passage, again, I want everyone here to reflect upon the last year of their life in Christ and how we interact with the saints, what the Lord has given for us as a ministry, a, a work to do. We remember that we were saved unto good works. There was something that the Lord had in mind when he saved us that we would accomplish for his glory to the praise of his name. And he set us up, equipped us, and put us in a position to fulfill all of these things. With that in mind, there are certain motives that we should be led by. And this motive we have here in 1 Corinthians 13, if we're led by any other motive, really it doesn't profit us at all. Um, this is the motive that we need to be led by. So thinking over the past year, I'm really just going to read through this passage here. And I pray that the Spirit of God would put his finger on what he has for you all. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, this is again speaking of the gifts, how to exercise in the local body. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. And really the idea is, no matter what I do, all the amazing things that I could think of that I could actually do, if I don't do it in love, it doesn't mean anything. All the gifts the Lord has given, all the abilities that we each have, every, all the funds, whatever it is, your own body to be burned, if you gave it without love, it, it profits you nothing. So how are we to do this? It says in verse 4, Love suffers long and is kind. Um, that's, a, that's a hard one. Um, <laughs> to suffer long means some, something's being inflicted on you, and you've got to deal with it. You've got to suffer through it. But then in response to something being inflicted on you, you, you have to, in turn, be kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. 
does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. I feel like we've tried a great many things over the past couple years that, that I've, I've been here and uh, praise the Lord, have been saved and uh, had the ability to fellowship with you all. Um, you know, we ought to try love because love never fails. We have this idea that we have something that is, is sure. And, and to pray and to stand on that and say, you know, okay, we're going to do that. No matter how people treat me, no matter what, what life brings my way, I'm going to respond in a way the Lord Jesus Christ would respond. Are we going to be successful 100% of the time? No. But the point is when we're not to be reminded of that and to repent. This isn't a, you know, we have to be uh, uh, perfect. But when something is wrong and is brought to our attention, there should be a repentance that follows. This shouldn't be something that we hold on, that we puff ourselves up, that we are not willing to humble ourselves. So we have here this idea, love never fails. So may this year be a year of prayer. May this year be a year of love for one another in this assembly. We know that the world has no idea that we're followers of Christ unless we have love for one another. That is the only sign that he gives to the world that we are followers of, of Jesus Christ. We can say all we want. Um, we can give all we want. Um, but unless we love one another, the world really just looks at us like any other person that claims the name of Jesus Christ. So let's, let's do it this year, I say. All right, and we're going to go to, so that's love for one another, love for the assembly. Go ahead and turn to Joshua 24. I told David I would only take 20 minutes, and I'm a man of my word. So we're going to get through this in, in, in five here, and then David's going to come up and, and lead us on. We have here this idea. The children of Israel have been brought into the land. Uh, they have seen amazing things that God has done for them. God has went before them. He has led the way, and he has won the victory. And we see in the first uh, 13 or so verses in this John, or Joshua 24 uh, that God did all of this. In verse 14 is where we're going to pick up. And we all know this passage. Um, we all probably have something uh, of it in our, in our homes. Um, verse 14, it says, Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The week ended with our brother Joe Reese um, exhorting us to decide, it was the first day of the new year, what we were going to do with this new year. We don't feel like this is something we have to do every day, but it is something that when things have gone astray, we need to make a, a fresh decision. What are we actually going to do? Um, it's funny that in my own daily life, if you were to look at it in the past year, 
there would be a point in time when you would think all of a sudden that it was evil for me, or I thought it was evil, to get up and to read my Bible and to pray because I would rush out of the house without doing it. And I would rush out of the house without doing it sometimes because I felt like if I'm late for this business meeting or if I'm late for this job or I don't get here and do this early enough, there will be uh, ill, like, hurt that will come upon me. And so on that day, you know, to open my Bible and to pray would have been evil because I I would have been hindered. That is just, it's, it's shameful is what it is. There are times in, you see in the church where you would get the impression that it would do a family harm to be at all the meetings. Like, if, if we really sacrificed and, and went to all the meetings, our family would suffer or, or there would be evil done because, you know, we, we didn't have enough family time or we didn't have enough, I don't know, And so I think of the people at this point in time when Joshua is presenting this, nobody in their right mind would say, yeah, we think it's evil to serve the Lord. But somehow in their actions and what they were doing in their daily life showed Joshua that they must think it's evil, otherwise they they would be doing it. And I think that's the idea. I think in my own life, setting aside a time and a place to be alone with the Lord every morning is, is really the most important thing I could do in the day. And yet, it is the first thing that's neglected when I'm busy. So it was a reminder to me, a challenge to me, am I going to serve the Lord this year? And I don't mean going off to foreign missions. I don't mean you know, leaving a track in the hand of every person I, I walk, in, you know, walk in front of. I just mean waking up in the morning and and getting alone with God. And so I think there's a decision that has to be made, and I present it to you all in this new year to reflect back again on the past year and to say, you know, choose today whom you're going to serve. And we don't serve two masters, and if we're going to serve one, we have to serve him all the way. Um, And this idea here, if it seemed evil unto you, Verse 16, it says, So the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt and from the house of bondage, who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorites who dwelt in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. So they make this decision, and Joshua kind of warns them. Joshua said to the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen the Lord for yourselves to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. May we be witnesses of ourselves that today we decide, 2016, we're, we're going to serve the Lord. Um, we're going to pray. We're going to love. And in all things, we're going to give the glory to the Lord. Uh, so at this point, I'll invite David up here. All right, good morning. <clears throat> you guys are going to suffer 
the same thing that we suffered through there. Um, it was like a system overload. Um, three, I think it was three full days of, of just solid teaching and preaching. Um, my head was spinning. Um, so many good thoughts, so many things that I wanted to dwell on, and uh, there, was just not, there wasn't time because it was the next, the next seminar. Um, like Justin explained, uh, it was a very good, uh, good time, um, a good time to gather together with all the saints um, around the world. Uh, we had, and we've had a brother here who's come to the assembly a few times um, from Japan, and they brought a contingency from Japan um, to the, to the uh, conference, and it was just a great time. Uh, 500 plus people um, singing and, and fellowshipping, and the messages were great, but uh, I think some of the times that we spent off to the side, just fellowshipping after or before meetings, and um, there was a prayer meeting every morning, um, was almost just as good, if not better. Um, one thing before we get started, uh, one thing that really encouraged me on that note was I had a group of men that were from Mississippi come to me. Um, they found out through David Nicholson, uh, Jabe's son, that I, uh, I was a police officer, and they came to me and asked me how they could reach the police officers in their community. Um, and that, that hit me. That, that really got me. I, I've never had that happen before. And so um, we had a great time of fellowship, a, a great time of sitting down and just talking through things and, and really praying for one another. So um, it's kind of like when uh, Drake goes to Disneyland and then he comes home and tries to explain it to me. Um, you just can't understand it unless you were there. Um, <laughs> but in the, in, the, in the will of the Lord, we'll, we'll try. Um, like Justin said, um, there, were, there were keynote messages given by uh, Joe Reese, Nate Bramson, and Mike Atwood. <clears throat> and then there were several seminars uh, in between those. Uh, just for the sake of time, I won't read through all of them, but um, very good. Uh, we will get those CDs, and it's going to be a lot better than the way uh, I'm going to articulate it this morning. Um, but uh, I encourage you to get those CDs and listen to them. There's even, um, you can even order, uh, they... they recorded it um, with a video camera, so you can even watch it if you'd like. Um, some of the preachers were kind of all over the place, so the, the camera wasn't that great, but um, it was still a good time. Uh, Joe Reese uh, opened up the conference asking a question, uh, do you love the Lord? Um, and, and, and it really uh, hit me. Everything that we do starts in that question. Do you love the Lord? Um, everything branches off from that and, and things that I'm going to focus on this morning. Uh, Mike um, spent his two sessions talking about, uh, do you love the church? And he, the, the, the thing, the, the question that he posed, and he, he kind of reiterated this, is if you don't have love for the brethren, you are nothing. And that, that was repeated throughout his message. And then Nate, as, as Justin shared, um, uh, spoke on a love for the lost. Uh, Nate Bramson, he's a missionary to uh, Niger and uh, goes around the world preaching. And he had some very convicting questions um, for us. And um, the one that Justin shared, do you see people the way that God sees people? Um, and and uh, we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, but first, I'd like to, we're going to go right back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Um, that fear, Joe, Joe even mentioned this when he spoke. He, he was happy that he went first so that nobody would preach his message. So 
um, that fear has become my reality. And so we are going to look at 1 Corinthians 13 and maybe a, a little more in depth. Um, this is the one message that really got to me, um, really uh, thinking about you guys and the home assembly um, and, and how we love one another and how um, it first starts with the love for the Lord. And, and to get that time, like Justin was saying, that time spent with him and to get your relationship right with him. And you can't love the church unless you love the Lord. And I would even go as far as to say you can't love the Lord unless you love the church um, and, and have a love for, for his, the things that he loves. And so um, Mike took us through 1 Corinthians 13, again, this is a, a, a teaching of love, probably the greatest teaching of love um, the world has ever known. Uh, this is read in even um, secular um, wedding ceremonies. Um, they don't even understand it, but they like it because it sounds nice. Um, but um, it's, it's really deep, and it really touches the heart of the church. And uh, I'm going to read it one more time just for... Uh, uh, just to reiterate, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become like sounding brass or clanging, a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. But though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind, and does not, love does not envy, love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. And we'll stop there. Um, many of you read from the King James Version, and it says charity. And this, this word love, or in your version, charity, is the, uh, the Greek word agape. And we've heard, again, nothing new was, no new ground was broken at this conference. Um, Mike calls it agape, um, and it took me half the message to figure out what he was talking about. <laughs> but agape. And, and, and I like the way the King James uh, has it as charity instead of love. When you think of the word charity, that's love in action. That's love displaying itself. Um, just like in James, we have faith in action, and love here should be in action. Um, I think we, we've gone away from or forgotten what the word love means. We can say we love the Lord, and then in the very next breath, we say we love pizza. And, and those two don't mean the same thing. Um, and, and so here, Paul gives us an in-depth look at what love looks like. And keep in mind who he's writing to. He's writing to a church where there's dissension. There's fighting. In, in the very beginning of the, of the uh, letter, he tells them, you're puffed up. And then here he says, love isn't puffed up. So what is he telling them? You're not loving each other. And, and so for us, it's a beautiful picture of love and a beautiful good description of love. But this was a, a, a correction. 
a rebuke and a reminder of what love truly is. The first uh, three verses, we have the preeminence of love or the importance or absolutely, absolute necessity of love. He says, and, and, and again, going back, and we don't have for the sake of time, we don't uh, have time to go into it, but um, th- he's speaking to them about spiritual gifts. This is sandwiched right in between two chapters on spiritual gifts. And, and it's kind of like a parenthesis. And he talks about tongues. And tongues was a very um, sought-after gift. Um, it was a very special gift. And everybody wanted the gift of tongues. And so Paul says, if I had the gift of tongues and I could speak all the languages, even the language of heaven, angelic language. But if I did it outside of love, I'm a, I'm a clanging cymbal. Um, Sadie and Drake have instruments, and uh, they don't know how to play those instruments, and they just hit the thing. And at first it's cute, and, and then after a while it's not cute at all. Um, it's, it, 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 it's, it's annoying. And this is what he's saying. If you have this, this special gift, and you're... you're, you're throwing it out there, and you don't love. It's annoying. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understood all mysteries and all knowledge. So if I was, I mean, the the top theologian, I understood all the mysteries throughout the Bible. And now at the end of the the chapter here, he says, no, we know in part, we prophesy in part, we don't know this. But he said, if I could, and I knew all, all the mysteries, and I was very knowledgeable, but I wasn't doing it in love. I'm nothing. Zero. It counts for zero. That, that, that expression, that exercising of that gift, if it's done outside of love, is nothing. He says, and though if I had all faith so that I could remove mountains, I mean, we're talking like a, like a modern-day George Mueller. I mean, just a tremendous man of faith. And if you had faith like that, but you, had, you didn't do it and express it with love, it counts for nothing. It's, it's zero. Um, and though I'd bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned. It's kind of interesting. If, if, if you think about it, if you give all your gifts to the poor, everything you have to the poor, wouldn't that be the description of love. I mean, you're giving all of your stuff to people that need it. That would be the description of love. But our thoughts are reminded of Ananias and Sapphira, who allegedly gave all that they had, but they did it to, so that they could show the assembly that how good they were. and um, They didn't do it out of love. And the Lord took very drastic mem- measures with Ananias and Sapphira and struck them down because of that. And then he says, if I gave my body to be burned, um, this, this idea, and he took us back to Daniel of, of Nebuchadnezzar and, and throwing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery furnace, he said, if you did that, but you did it outside of love, it's nothing. It profits you nothing. And this was the thing that kept re- being reiterated. Um, like Justin said, love suffers long and is kind. Um, the, the, the description here from verses 4 through 7 goes into the particulars of love. Okay, now he's describing it. Um, we had the preeminence of love. We have the particulars of love. And the, he starts off with two positive ones. So you think, okay, this is all going to be real positive, you know, fruits of the Spirit, just all good stuff. 
Well, he starts off with two positive, but then immediately he goes into the negative. He says, love does not envy, and he starts into these negative. Now, these negative ones do have a corresponding positive. Love doesn't envy. Well, what would be the opposite of envying somebody? Well, it would be rejoicing in what the Lord's doing in their life. Um, love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, keeping in mind that he just told them that they were puffed up. Love does not behave rudely. Mike got into some very practical things of how we, as believers in the local assembly, um, behave rudely to each other. Um, here in Corinth, um, there were meals that they were having, and those that got off work early or those that were the, the, the business owners, they snuck in and ate first and just left the scraps for the others and didn't wait for them. And, um, you know, Mike even got into the fact of, of, of showing up to meeting late. The, the moment he said that, we were actually late to that meeting because of the kids. And it really got me. It really got me. Um, walking in late and, and disrupting the meeting, uh, just behaving rudely. Love does not seek its own. Um, it's not provoked. It thinks no evil. does not rejoice in iniquity. And then we have the final five that are positive. The, 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 those last eight were negative. The final five are positive. But rejoices in truth bears all things, bears all things. Um, this, is, this is reiterated in other epistles by Paul, bearing one another's burdens, bearing one another's burdens. Love believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Uh, Mike mentioned that you could because we read in John 4, 1 John 4, that God is love, that you could take Jesus, or God, and place him in this chapter and replace his name with love. Um, Jesus suffers long and is kind. Jesus does not envy, you know, and, and so on and so forth, which I thought was a very interesting point. So we are to exercise our gifts by love. Uh, turn with me real quickly to John chapter 13. It's interesting that in this topic of love and, and all the, the messages that we heard, you would think that there would be a lot of overlap and a lot of reading of the same portions, but I don't think we read the same portion in any of the seminars that I took. And, and uh, this is one that really jumped out to me. John chapter 13 and verse 34 this is Jesus speaking, and he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Now, this is not a new commandment in and of itself, to love the Lord. But there's a new aspect of this commandment that he's, that he's portraying here, and he says, Love one another as I have loved you. This morning we remembered the sacrificial love of our Savior. The fact that he went all the way, that no matter who it was, those, those Pharisees that plucked his beard, that spat on him, that smote him, that, that were spreading evil rumors about him, he died for them just as much as he died for that woman that was washing his feet. And, and, and that, that it's the idea of bearing all things, loving one another unconditionally, 
And he says, by this all will know that you are my disciples. Wouldn't it be nice to, to have that testimony here at Claremont Bible Chapel that we are known by our love. Um, Paul writes to the Ephesians, Paul writes to the Colossians, and he says, I've heard of your love, and I rejoice. Um, uh, he, he, he went throughout many different things, uh, having a fervent love for one another, a love that does not cease. Um, that's the idea there. And um, let's turn to Romans chapter 13 really quickly. Romans chapter 13. There's, all, there's always this, this kind of struggle between, you know, law and grace and love and the law, and, and they can't commingle because one is this and the other is this. Well, um, here we read in uh, Romans chapter 13, uh, and we'll begin reading in verse 8. He says, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves one another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there's any other commandments, um, are all consumed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. See, love fulfills the law. It keeps the law. Um, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Um, and so there's this beautiful intertwining of, of a love for the Lord, and, and out of a love for the Lord, we will love his people, and we will um, love our neighbors as ourselves, if we truly love the Lord. And out of that, we will keep those, those commandments that he has given to us. Um, real quickly, in closing, we'll go back to uh, 1 Corinthians 13. At the very end of the, the chapter there, Paul closes it. And in uh, 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 13, he says, And now abide faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Faith, hope, and love. And these are good things. We are, we are told that we are saved by grace through faith. Um, we are told to hope and, and to look and to watch and to pray for the second coming of the Lord and, and have that hope in us. But he says that the greatest of these is love. Now, why does he say this? And I thought this was a, an interesting point and, and one that I, I definitely want to uh, dwell on more. Um, right now, we see things through the eyes of faith. We see the Lord through the eyes of faith. We see him through the word and through the eyes of faith. But one day, that faith will become a reality. We will see him, in, we will be standing right in front of him. And no longer will we see him through the eyes of faith. We will see him as he is, and we will be standing in his presence. Um, now, hope, in the same sense, right now we, we, are, we are holding on, and we are watching, and we are praying, and, and hoping for the return of the Lord. And one day, he will come, and that hope will be reality and we will be in his presence but one thing that we were reminded of in verse 8 says love never fails 
or love doesn't have an end. It doesn't fall away. And that love that we have for him now will only increase more and more as we spend eternity with him. Um, Paul in Ephesians says that in the ages to come, we might uh, learn more and more about his love for us. Um, and so faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love. And in verse, uh, chapter 14, verse 1, he says, pursue love. And like Justin challenged us um, earlier, um, may this be a year where we pursue love. Um, 1 John 4.11 says, if God so loved us, we ought to love. We're obligated to love one another. And may we do that this year um, through his help. Let's look to the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we just are so thankful this morning um, for that love that was displayed um, in the life of your son. Father, we, we read of um, the greatest love that was showed to us that you gave your only begotten son to die in our place. And Father, we are thankful that he is risen, he is seated at your right hand, and that he is interceding for us as we speak. And Father, we are so thankful for this, this message that we have of love. We thank you that you don't just tell us to love, and not show us how to do it. But Father, you also give us the power to love. Your spirit pours out the love of God into our hearts so that we may love one another. And Father, I just pray this year, 2016, would be a year of love for one another. Father, that our love for you would increase, that we would learn to love you more, and as a result, our love for each other would increase, that we would put each other first, that love would have preeminence in our life, and that we would see every person that we meet the way that you see them, eternal souls for whom your son has died. So Father, we just pray um, for your help and, and ask, Lord, that this would be a year of love, and that this would all be for your honor and for your glory. We pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.